Say good morning to those who are watching online as well. So we're talking about habits. Uh, every sports team works at developing habits. Our habits form us uh, for every kind of athletic team. They practice and practice and practice to develop habits so that when the contest comes and they're actually in the game, when it matters, they are ready for that contest. Uh, there was something that with the football team, uh, I heard it multiple times every day, uh, Michael and Brady working with the offensive line, they would shout out over and over, anchor down, anchor down, anchor down. Well, that meant good footwork. That meant you take your cleats and you dig them down into the turf or into the sod so that you are ready when the ball is snapped, if it's a running play, your feet are in good position for you to aggressively go block the other guy. Or if it's a pass play, you are in position, firm foundation to be able to take on the guy that's coming at you, anchored down. The habit of doctrine is how we anchor down to enjoy God. So we are uh, talking about doctrine and how to detect good doctrine from bad doctrine. There is good doctrine, good beliefs, good ideas. There is harmful doctrine, harmful beliefs, harmful ideas. Um, we all have something in us. We're able to, when we hear an idea and go, uh, that doesn't quite sound right, a baloney detector that goes off because we know, wait a minute, that that doesn't sound right. Uh, so here are some of the doctrinal statements in our culture, in our day, that you probably heard. Maybe you've believed some of them. Uh, one is, follow your heart. <clears throat> you deserve a break today. <clears throat> Kids are resilient. They'll adjust if their parents divorce. <clears throat> to have full equality in society. Every woman deserves access to abortion. <clears throat> Time heals all wounds. <clears throat> God wants us to be healthy and wealthy. Wait, I need to say that one with a big cheesy smile. God wants us to be healthy and wealthy. We're doing this series, Habits of Enjoying God, because God's primary purpose for us in creating us, mankind, all of us, is for fellowship, relationship with him. Our primary purpose in life is to know him and to enjoy him. So what are the habits that will help us grow in our enjoyment of God? Kippa said the habit of true worship and the essence of eternal life is delighting in and finding joy in knowing God, who he is, what he's like, what he has done, his purposes for us. So we train ourselves with habits. Our habits form us. We've said the habits train our affections. If we become what we love, then we want habits that are gonna shape our affections and shape what and how we love. So we train our hearts to love God. We train our hab hearts through habits of enjoying him. So we started out the first week with the overview. Deuteronomy chapter six. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
And uh, Sam said the habits are uh, tools, weapons, because there's a contest. There is a battle. And then Kip took us the first week into the habit of noticing God, seeing the way he's shown himself in creation. So we talked about trees together. Uh, Then last week, Sam took us into the habit of Bible reading and talked about where we see Jesus, the living word of God, in the written word of God. And so we talked about Psalm 23 together last week. Those of you that are reading the Bible this year, the one-year Bible, good job. You made it through Leviticus. You know, that's where most people get stuck and stop and quit. Uh, Keep going. And if you haven't jumped into that yet, jump in, February 26th. Uh, There's more out here. Get it. Jump in. Don't try and catch up. Jump in. You're with everybody else that's doing it. Jump in. Today, we're on the habit of doctrine, the habit of doctrine. So first, uh, what is doctrine? It's a belief system. It's the convictions that drive our choices. Uh, One has said it's collecting what Scripture says, co-leading what Scripture reveals about God. So we take everything he said about himself and try and pull it together into uh, what doctrine uh, comes out of Scripture. Sam said last week, we don't need innovative doctrinal statements because God's word is unchanging. It's fixed. Without doctrine, we can't know who God is, can't know what he expects of us, can't know who we are, can't enjoy God. So second, what does doctrine do to set me up to enjoy God? So here's two doctrinal statements, one on the left, one on the right. There are three Ds, they're on your sermon outline, three Ds about doctrine. Doctrine sets uh, decisions. It, It drives the choices we make. It's a driver. If you hold to the doctrine on the left, it's going to drive the choices you make about how you treat others, how you view them, especially people who are different than you. If you hold to the doctrine on the right, that's going to drive your choices differently. You're going to make different choices about are people valuable and on what basis and how should they be treated and on what basis. So, Doctrine is a driver. It also sets direction. Some doctrine brings you closer to God. Harmful, bad doctrine takes you further away from him. Uh, It's also about destination because choice after choice after choice after choice, uh, what my doctrine drives in terms of choices is going to accumulate and eventually set a trajectory in my life and land me somewhere. If you hold to the doctrine on the left, make choices, move closer to God, it's going to land you at a particular destination. If you're the doctrine on the right, it's going to drive choices. It's going to move you further away from God, and it's going to land you in a spot. Is it where you want to end up? Destination. Doctrine is a driver. It sets direction, and it eventually will determine destination. So why talk about doctrine? One person first hour said, I saw a doctrine and thought, oh, no. Uh, Why talk about it? Because we need to. Because we aren't in very good shape. 
as the church in America. Every two years, uh, Ligonier Institute and Lifeway Research, they do a survey, the state of theology in America. They do this every two years. It came out in August, and their summary statement was evangelicals, and the way they define that is, like we would, uh, we're sinful, we need a savior, there needs to be a transforming experience because of our faith, God making us new from the inside out. Evangelicals are increasingly muddy on important doctrinal truths. Here's what they came up with. Some of it's really good. 95% agreed that the Bible is 100% accurate in all it teaches. Good. 91% agreed that abortion is a sin. 94% agreed that sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. And we're glad God forgives and nothing's outside the scope of his forgiveness. But then there are uh, cracks in the whole thing. Uh, 28% agreed that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. How can you hold both of those at the same time? That doesn't work. Um, it gets worse. 65% of evangelicals, Bible-teaching churches, agreed that, quote, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. then why do we think we need a savior? If we're all innocent, where does hate and harm and sinning against other people come from? 56% uh, agreed with the idea that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I think, no, I know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that isn't an exclu exclusive, we want to exclude people. That invitation is to you and me and all mankind. Come through Jesus into relationship to enjoy God. And one more, 43% of evangelicals agreed that Jesus was a great teacher but not God. Then he cannot save us. And why would we worship him? These are, we aren't in good shape. In theology. So developing the habit of doctrine, making doctrine a habit matters. I'm thankful for people in our church family. Your, your outline has a link to the Keras Commitment to Common Identity. If you aren't a computer person, there are some copies at the Info Center. You can pick one up. Um, they've done an excellent job. This is folks in our family of churches all over the globe working for several years to, to put this together. And one of the things I really like about it is it's not in concrete because our family of churches says it's not this, it's this. Doctrine comes out of Scripture. Scripture always comes first. The Word of God. This is how God has revealed himself. Here's our best effort at co-leading, collecting, what has God revealed about himself? And it's good. Uh, one of my favorite sections, here's a sample to encourage you to look at the rest of it. Uh, humanity, God created man and woman in his image. As a result, all people are bearers of that image. However, Adam's subsequent sin, Genesis 3, resulted in a condition of spiritual death which all people all people 
you and me, all the world, since Adam have experienced marring the beauty of God's image in them and every facet of life were broken by sin. This condition of spiritual death has rendered all people unable to save themselves and leads to physical death. Therefore, new birth is necessary for salvation. I didn't believe that growing up. My doctrine was I'll do enough good things that God will accept me on a curve. There's no hope in that. No freedom. No grace. So I'm so thankful for this. The next section, and it goes to salvation. The salvation brought by God is a complete and eternal salvation by his grace alone. Received as the free gift of God through personal faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work as he declares believers righteous in him. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. It's by grace alone. It's a step of faith to say, God, I will accept the gift of what you did for me in Jesus Christ to deal with my sin once and for all. It's a great collection. Now, what I didn't put on the screen is in the uh, document itself, there are numbers all through it, total of over 100. And those are little footnotes for every phrase or sentence is collected out of the scriptures, and the numbers all point to a, then there's an index of the Bible verses. Where did this come from? Where does God's word teach this? So it's excellent. The charis commitment to common identity. Well, we want to think about doctrine and how it impacted the early church similar to the way it impacts us today. So we're going to go to 1 Timothy. If you'd open up your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to think together about why doctrine played such an important part there and today for us. We aren't talking about doctrinal differences today between uh, one church and another, one denomination and another. We're talking about the differences between good, solid, God-centered doctrine and man-centered or self-centered doctrine. Because in our cultural moment, that's the struggle, that's the battle, that's where we need to be anchored down firmly planted on good, solid doctrine that will take us where we want to go, that will drive good decisions, that will move us closer to God. First century, no scripture yet. They don't have a New Testament. So it's vital that the followers of Jesus devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Doctrine, Acts 2, tells us that's what they did. They learned how to discern right doctrine from false doctrine by being trained, by fellowship, by reliance on their teachers. And the result was they were confident, secure in who they were in Jesus. And they stuck out in their culture full of gods. They stuck out as people who loved and enjoyed God and loved and enjoyed each other. What about today? I think it's so parallel. There's no longer a cultural sense of understanding God's word and and God-centered doctrine. So it's really important for us to devote ourselves to reading the scriptures, so glad we are doing that this year, and training the next generations. And we, just like them, we learn to distinguish right doctrine, God-centered doctrine from man-centered doctrine, 
by training, by fellowship. And now we get to rely on a ton of tools that they didn't have. The result is we can be confident and secure in Jesus and we can stick out in our man-centered culture as people that love and enjoy God and love and enjoy each other. So we're going to look at 1 Timothy 4. Deuteronomy 6 is where we started. Impress these things. What things? Impress doctrine on your children as you lie down, as you get up, as you walk in the way. Matthew 28 as you're going along and making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Anchored down in sound doctrine. Jude says, I'm writing this letter to urge you to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Have good doctrine. Anchored down. In Timothy, Paul is the mentor. Apostle Paul. Timothy is much younger, and his job is to shepherd the house churches in and around Ephesus. And he needs encouragement, and he needs mentoring from Paul because his job is to appoint elders and to deal with false doctrine and to shepherd this network of house churches. So Paul writes to him, and we're looking at the start of chapter 4. One of the things Paul does is he warns him about false doctrine and points him back toward Good doctrine. So, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Let that sink in. Things taught by demons. Who's do, uh, what, are the, what are the doctrines? Verse 3, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. Who's doing this teaching? Verse 2, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They know they're deceiving, they know they're distorting, and they don't care. Hypocritical liars. There is false doctrine. There are false teachers. But Timothy is to point out to the brothers and the sisters what's false and point them to what's sound, what's right. Verse 6, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Timothy had a habit of doctrine. He was anchored down. And he's saying, point out what's false to those. There's two ways to do that. There's a whole lot of followers of Jesus these days who um, want to angrily point out bad, harmful doctrines, beliefs. What a stupid idea. Who would ever believe that? That's not in the Bible. Where'd you get that? You're wrong. Usually not real effective, though there's truth there. To be able to instead say, you know what? The one who created us, I think he loves us most and he knows what's best for us and what he's told us is going to drive our choices to the best spot, is going to set us in a direction to to know and enjoy him and is going to take us to a better spot 
than the other doctrine. See, it's about what Jesus has invited us to. Invited us into relationship, enjoying him. Let's be the latter instead of angrily pointing out the wrong doctrines. Let's hold up the right ones and invite. He's nourished on the truths of the faith and good teaching. He's been trained up and nurtured. How often do you eat? Pretty often. Nourished. We're in a day in our cultural moment with the God-centered doctrine versus man-centered, self-centered doctrine. In that battle, if what you're getting is two, three, four, 35-minute sermons a month, it's not going to anchor you down. It needs to be more. We need to be in the Word. We need to be working at developing the habit of sound doctrine to be anchored down for the contest. Uh, he says, verse 7, uh, train yourself to be godly. That's the word for gymnasium. Get in the gym. Train yourself. Develop the habit. Timothy did. He says, verse 12, uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He's 30 years old at this point with all this responsibility. He says, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love in faith and in purity. And then he closes it in verse 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. We'll flip over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. This uh, picks back up five years later. Paul, the mentor, writes to Timothy again. He's under a whole lot of pressure, and they're now all living under crazy Emperor Nero. And so he gives, uh, he continues this thread of uh, there's good doctrine, there's bad doctrine, and here's what you need to do, Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 15. This is uh, those of you that didn't want to when you were little. This was the verse, verse 15, chapter 2. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Correctly handling the word of truth. That's doctrine. That's sound doctrine, good doctrine. Um, the word there is the way you plow a furrow in a field. You don't want to wander back and forth and let the oxen wander back and forth. They didn't have GPS-controlled tractors yet. Plow a straight furrow. Where do you want to go? Focus on the destination. Where do you want to end up and the right doctrine to take you there with your choice upon choice upon choice? So he says, correctly, be one who correctly handles the word of truth. Then in chapter 3, he describes there is bad doctrine. Look at the list of descriptors in verses 2, 3, and 4. It's bad. Going bad places. He summarizes that they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. That's not going to take you a good place. It's not going to drive good 
decisions. And so he warns them about the bad doctrine. Who's doing this? Verse 13, evildoers and imposters that will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. These descriptions in chapter 3 will be more intensive and more extensive the closer we get to Jesus' return. But the good news is there's good doctrine. Starting at verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, as for you, W.L. Grace, continue and what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. He was convinced by his mother, what he's taught by her, by his grandmother, what he saw in her life and was taught by her. But he was especially convinced, verses 16 and 17, by what he was taught doctrinally, the apostles' teaching, what came from Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Chapter 4 continues the warning. There are going to be people, verse 3, they won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will turn away from sound doctrine. They will turn to whatever. uh, They'll set up, they'll find false teachers with false doctrine that will give whatever their itching ears want to hear. And he's saying, This is just part of the landscape. You develop the habit of anchoring down in sound doctrine. Why is it so important? Because life experience will test our doctrine. If our doctrine is off, the life experiences will eat our spiritual lunch. Here's some examples. If you've experienced abuse, or betrayal, I am so sorry. You will need to be solid in the doctrine of forgiveness in order to enjoy God. If you've had a loved one walk away from faith, you will need to be solid in the doctrine of adoption and election in order to enjoy God. If you often slide back into impure thoughts or are tempted to lust and porn, you will need to be solid on the doctrine of the holiness of God in order to enjoy God. If you've experienced suffering, you will need to be solid on the doctrine of God's sovereignty in order to enjoy God. Remember Job? Being anchored down in sound doctrine will keep us from having life experiences, allowing them to destroy us spiritually. So let's practice. Where do you go from here? Where do we go from here? Developing the habit, anchoring down. Some suggestions on the screen. Um, Remember, we said any habit, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly at first. Take a step, a baby step. So first thing, read the CCCI, Karis Commitment to Common Identity. Ask your life group leader, ask your ABF, could we work through this together? Doctrine in community, taking little bits, that's what practicum does on Thursday night at 6.30 uh, over there. Your life group, your ABF can do the same thing. Second, get a study Bible. As we're reading through the Bible this year, you're going to have spots where my wife and I have the same spots every year. We're going to go, wait a minute, 
that doesn't make sense. God told him to do that and then gets angry at him for it? How come? What? I don't understand. A study Bible has, I bet you you can't come up with a question that isn't answered in a study Bible. Great tool to have. Um, these are three that uh, speaking team, we said, okay, let's give recommendations. The one on the left goes with our one-year Bible reading program. So the Bibles we've got here, um, they have the reading each day. This one now takes the reading each day and gives a bunch of notes at the bottom. Middle one is my preferred one. I love the Life Application Study Bible. This is the NLT version. There's an NIV. Uh, somebody in speaking team said, my favorite study Bible is the ESV. Grace students typically have that one. Awesome. Great tools. Um, get a study Bible. Third, uh, some of these are listed on uh, the inside of the bulletin there. Uh, Listen to Doctrine Rich Podcasts. There's two recommendations. Online resources. In speaking team, we looked at gotquestions.com. The link you have here takes you to their index. It's question and answer. Uh, we haven't read the whole site, but it looks really good. Um, New City Catechism is an app for your phone. What I like about it, I haven't been through all of it, Q&A format, but there's a children's mode you can turn on on the app, and the answers, if you've got kids, the answers are shorter, and then they set the answers to music for them to learn a, a ditty to get grounded in doctrine. Um, in It Together and Hey Parents, Let's Talk are two tools from our family ministries. In It Together, once a month they talk about what students and children are going to be learning, and that group is launching their study of family discipleship again this week. Hey, Parents, Let's Talk is happening in March and is on technology and parents. Great tool. Seeds Family Worship, a bunch of our families use this musically. It's music to learn scripture. Really, really good tools. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. Start to develop the habit of sound doctrine to anchor down and what God has told, about him, told us about himself so that we enjoy him. Would you stand with me? We're going to go back to the end of 1 Timothy, and we're going to end our service by reading aloud together Paul's reminder to Timothy. Let's read it aloud. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What a great promise and assurance. Church family, we are sent out into the experiences of the week, and this week let's go anchored down, anchored down developing the habit of sound doctrine. Good afternoon. God bless you.